When I was in high school, I had uh, the opportunity to play football, and uh, I was an offensive guard and a defensive tackle, and so I got to uh, a lot of times play both ways, and so I would get to open up holes for the running back to run through, and I would get to uh, play on the defensive side and sack quarterbacks, and, uh, and that was fun. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I loved to, to crack skulls uh, when I was in high school. And you're like, oh, he's so violent. I just loved to do it. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, one of the guys on our team was our running back. And so being the offensive guard, I got to open holes for him often. And, uh, and I just remember this guy was a man among boys. I mean, he was, he was so talented and just an incredible athlete. And uh, his name is Musin Muhammad. And uh, little did we know that this man would, this man among boys would go on to play for uh, the best university in, in the entire world, Michigan State University, and, uh, and go green. Um, and he would play for them as a wide receiver. And then he would get recruited by the Carolina Panthers. And he played for the Carolina Panthers. And then many of you may be aware he played for the Chicago Bears. And uh, he was a two-time Pro Bowler, and, uh, and he was a guy that was on our team. And uh, I, in a drill that we had, uh, he would run down the middle, and then different individuals would come out and try to tackle him. I tackled him. And then I stayed laying on the ground because I felt like I just got hit by a Mack truck. Not a lie. Uh, but I, got to, I brought him down. I'm just saying. So if you want to say, hey, our pastor sacked or put, brought down a NFL wide receiver, you can say that. It's not a lie. Uh, he, just, he was in high school at the time. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, he, we, you know, honestly, in, in, in just our interaction with Moose, that's what we call him, Moose, um, you know, we, we never thought about him being a college football player. We never thought about him being a, an NFL football player. Do you realize that, that less than 1%, think about this, less than 1% of all athletes make it to the professional level. That's a super small group. So did, were we thinking about that at time? No. Were we aware of his talent? Kind of. Kind of. I mean, but we really didn't think much about it. We really weren't all that aware of the fact that we were standing among greatness. That this kid that we were playing with would one day be a pro bowler. We didn't think about that. And what's interesting is, is that as I think about the, the Christian life, as I think about following Jesus, as I think about the church today, the, the reality is, is that so many followers of Jesus in the Western culture, in the Western church, they, they go their entire faith journey, their entire faith journey, not aware of the supernatural power that lives within them. And, and what's, what's even sadder is that much of what we say we do for Jesus whether that's in our churches or in our ministry teams or in our life groups or out wherever we're at, much of what we do for Jesus can be done without even mentioning this supernatural power. 
tragically, many of us cannot even identify that power. Many of us do not understand this supernatural power in what he has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do in our lives and through our lives. And really to our shame, really to our shame as churches, so many churches either completely ignore it or they exploit it for their own personal gain by manipulating people into a false understanding. So what are we going to do? We're going to, for the next several weeks, talk about the supernatural. The supernatural. And a book that, that I'm using as a resource is entitled Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Um, I would strongly encourage you to pick this up and read it. And what's beautiful about this book is, is that if you get the newest edition, it has in it a study guide that you can do with family, with friends, with uh, your life group. And uh, I would strongly encourage you to do it. Uh, all the videos that go with it are all um, on, uh, what's the thing that we have? Right Now Media, thank you. I knew I'd get some help. Uh, right Now Media. And so, which Right Now Media, by the way, is a free resource that we offer to every one of you. And it has... It is a Netflix that has all the Christian stuff on it. Um, seriously, it is thousands of resources, and it's absolutely free, and you can download it onto any of your devices and use it anywhere you want. And uh, there is a link on our uh, website, htbc.church. Feel free to go and sign up for it, and it's absolutely free. And so we encourage you guys to, to get that. But, but again, Forgotten God is, is one resource. Um, Jane Meeks is leading a Bible study. On Mondays, uh, starting at, don't believe this Monday, but next Monday, next Monday uh, she's going to be starting that. And uh, it's all about this topic that we're going to be addressing. And, uh, and so, ladies, if you want, you can go and be a part of that. Talk to Jane. Uh, I probably scared her this morning in first service because I didn't tell her I was going to do that. And now she may have a bunch more books she has to order. But I encourage you guys, get involved, be a part of that, um, and realize that you can learn. The world defines supernatural this way. A manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. Which I say, okay. That's an okay definition, but it's incomplete. Why is it incomplete? Because it lacks the spiritual. And, and here's a three-word definition for the biblical definition of supernatural. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's supernatural. It is him at work in us. And the Bible makes it clear that if we know Christ, then Romans 8 9 says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in, notice, capital S, spirit, in the spirit. When you see that in the word of God, that is referring to the Holy Spirit of God. But not in the, you are in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have, and here's another phrase for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. This is again talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ does not belong to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What price? The price was Jesus. Jesus laid his life down, died on a cross, sacrificed himself, and rose again so that you and I can have life, so that you and I can have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God in our soul, in our life. And God has given that to us. So what does he say? Glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your living. So, so here's a question for you. When was the last time you experienced the Holy Spirit? Some of you are like, man, I just experienced the Holy Spirit when we were singing, breathe on me. Praise God. Because you should. I mean, we're asking the Holy Spirit of God to breathe on us There should be something that happens within our soul that connects with God because the Holy Spirit of God resides in us if we have a relationship with Jesus and we should experience the Holy Spirit in that moment. Now what often happens though is people will say, well, well, I didn't like the, it was too loud, or it was too this, or it was too much drums, or it was too much guitar. If you're so focused on what's happening up here on stage, you're missing out on what can happen in your soul because you're so focused on the wrong spot. Listen, if, if, if God were to take away all of this mess, all this stuff, whether it was the building, the pews, the air conditioning, heaven forbid, all that stuff, if we didn't have it, all of us could still go out into a field at midnight under, did you guys see the, the, the super moon the other night? What in the world? We're driving back from the Quad Cities, and you want to talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, we see this thing coming up over the highway, I-80. I was like, what is that? And my wife's like, it's a supermoon. And I'm like, whoa! I mean, it was the biggest. I've never seen it that big. It was huge. Um, Again, how awesome. God made it. God designed it. God, God caused all the different things to happen that happens for that moon to, to look like it's rising. It's awesome to realize that we serve a God who's involved in creation. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Have you, are you experiencing the Holy Spirit? Listen, God's desire is that you would experience the Holy Spirit every day. Honestly, every moment of every day. And, and sometimes the problem is, is that we're looking in all the wrong places. Or like my friend who we played with, we just weren't even aware of what was going on. Can I just, can I just say to you, if, if that's where you're at, you're like, you know, you know what, I, I can't even remember the last time I experienced the Holy Spirit. Or, man, I'm, right now I'm like, what, what are you talking about, dude? Thumbs up. I don't know. Can I just say to you, you're not alone. You're not alone. And what I love about the Bible is, is that it doesn't sugarcoat anything for us. It gives it straight. And so if you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. As you're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want to just give you a little bit of context. Hannah, and and the, the name Hannah means a woman of grace, was unable to have children. She was determined in her heart that the Lord desired to give her and to pray for a son. And so she began to pray for a son that she might be able to give him back to the Lord so that he would serve the Lord all of his life. 
God in his incredible mercy, God in his incredible grace, God in his sovereignty gave Hannah a son. She named him Samuel. Samuel, later on, as as Hannah had made an oath to the Lord, she had prayed, she had asked the Lord to give her a son, the Lord gave her a son, she had made an oath to the Lord that she would give her son in service to the Lord for all of his life. She kept her word, and she went to Eli, the high priest, and, and, and she, in essence, said, here's my son, he's to serve the Lord. And Eli's job was to disciple this young man, this boy. And, and, and so what we find, though, is that there's a problem, and we're going to see it as we read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Most likely, Samuel, by the time we get into, first, into chapter 3, is about, he's a young teenager. He's a young teenager. So just keep that in mind as we read it. Verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord. That word ministering means to serve. It's actually where the word, we get the word deacon from and, and or servant or table server. Uh, it's someone who is serving another. He is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. This next part of this verse you need to underline, highlight, circle in your mind. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. Another version says, no frequent revelation. Verse 2, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and he ran to Eli. Some of y'all parents are having some PTSD right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he he ran to his his dad and said, here I am, you called me. And you can imagine what your response would be when one of your kids comes busting into your bedroom after you've been asleep. Anybody just love that, just enjoy the mess out of that? Oh, Oh, me, I just love it. No. I don't know about any of y'all, but I was like, uh, boy, go back to bed. Guess what? Check it out. He ran to Eli and said, here I am for you. You call me. Eli said to him, I did not call. Go lie down again. <laughs> so he went and he laid down. Verse 6, the Lord called again. Samuel. Samuel rose, went to Eli and said, here I am, for you call me. You can just hear it. He's getting a little more angry, a little more agitated, a little more, I can't believe this kid. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Samuel did not yet, and again, this verse is so important. Verse 7, circle this, highlight this, whatever you need to do to emphasize it in your mind. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That word know has the idea of head knowledge and heart experience. Head knowledge and heart experience. He did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. 
Verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time. (laughs) He rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And you can just imagine Eli. Okay, what is going on? Eli perceives that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears, I love that, I love the, the, the uh, didn't say one ear, that'd be kind of weird, right? The one ear of people. The two ears of the nation, they will tingle. God's about to do something big. And he's calling Samuel. And at first, Samuel does not recognize that it's God. Does not recognize that the Lord is calling him. Does not recognize that even that he's in the room, that his presence is there. And, and the question that I, I have to ask is, is why? Why, if he's, if he's been under the discipling of Eli the high priest, why is it that he doesn't recognize the Lord? Why is it that, that he doesn't recognize what, what is going on in this situation and instead of of, of listening to the Lord, he runs to Eli. Why? Verse number one gives us a, a clue. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. What is happening in Eli's life, and what is happening in, in the nation of God's people that 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 Eli doesn't even recognize that it's God, that, that Samuel doesn't recognize that it's God. What is going on that the, the word of the Lord is rare in those days and there are no frequent visions? The, the, the answer to that is simple. It starts with S and ends with N. Anyone want to guess? Sin. Nice job. Woo! You guys are good. Sin. Sin is causing them To not hear from God. Sin is keeping God from even speaking. And you say, what sin? Well, if you went back and you were to read in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we find out that the people of God are chasing after other gods. They are worshiping other gods. They are seeking sexual pleasure. They are seeking material possessions. And it's not just the people of God, but Eli himself is also guilty. So it's no wonder that Eli, the high priest, who is supposed to be discipling Samuel, is not getting it. Because even Eli, when Hannah is praying, Hannah is is praying, he thinks that she's drunk. Go back to chapter 2 and read it. It's there. He doesn't even recognize a woman who is deep in prayer with God. He believes she's drunk. Why would a high priest not be able to recognize that a woman is praying her heart out to God? 
Why would a high priest not be doing his job of discipling a young man underneath his direction? Why? Sin. Sin. And if you don't think that sin is serious, what you need to understand is, is that for the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And it's not just physical death, spiritual death. What is happening to the people of God? What is happening to Eli? Spiritual death. And God is like, I'm not speaking. It doesn't say he's not completely. It just says it's rare. Sin. I have a Bible in my office, and my mentor from college says, and he wrote in the front of it, he said, sin will keep you from this book. Or this book will keep you from sin. My friends, you need to understand that if there is sin, unrepentant, undealt with sin in your life, it will cause you not to hear God. It will cause you not to see the Holy Spirit of God at work in your life. It will cause you to not recognize, not care, become lazy in your approach to God, because of sin. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus is talking about this, and he says, because lawlessness, in other words, sin, because sin is increasing, the love of many will grow cold. That word cold means indifferent, means apathetic, means lazy. Can I, can I just ask you a personal question? You're saying, I'm, I'm not really hearing, or I'm not really experiencing the Holy Spirit. Is it possible that the problem is, is that your love is growing cold because of sin? And so the question is, has your love grown cold because of sin? I'm not, I'm not saying, are you perfect? I'm not saying you dot all your I's and cross all your T's exactly right all the time. I'm saying, do you have sin in your life that you're not dealing with? Listen, listen, please take this as a loving warning. If you do not deal with the sin in your life, the sin in your life will deal with you. And it will not turn out the way that you want it to. Sin's entire purpose is to destroy your life. And to separate you from a God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin. To pay the penalty for your sin. So that you don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. So that you can be set free from sin. So that you can have forgiveness of sin. So that you can have a cleansing from that sin. And the beauty of God is, he says, I'll remove it as far as the east is from the west and I'll remember it no more. I'll hold it not against you any longer. That's a forgiving God who loves you. Satan will try to trick you into thinking that what you're doing is okay. The the direction you're going, eh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Ah, the consequences, eh. They're just a misdemeanor. They're just a little ticket. No worry. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't, don't. 
bother yourself with it. It's not that big a deal. If that's what you're feeling, you need to understand Satan is lying in your ear, and he is going to destroy your life. Please take that as a loving response to you. Maybe the reason you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit is because like Eli, you got sin going on in your life. Maybe you're more like Samuel, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Well, there had to be some head knowledge there of the Lord. I mean, he's, he's serving the Lord in the temple. He's, I mean, right? Verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. So he's, he's serving the Lord. He may, he, may, he may not fully understand what that means, but, but he's got to have some head knowledge. See, but here's the thing. Head knowledge doesn't save you. Head knowledge alone does not save you. You can know all the facts you want to know about Jesus and not know Jesus. I mean, I, I don't know about y'all. I, I knew Muslim Muhammad, but I don't know him. Are you understand what I'm saying? I knew him in high school. I could tell you facts about him like I did, but I don't know him now. I don't have a relationship with him. So, yeah, I've got some head knowledge about him. I can, I can read Wikipedia. I can read ESPN. I can look at those things and go, oh, yeah, well, I know him. No, I don't. I don't really know him. I don't have a relationship with him. I can't call him. He's not in my phone. I don't have his phone number. So, same thing with Jesus. Head knowledge is great. But head knowledge, apart from heart experience, where he transforms your heart and you put your faith and trust in him, is a completely different game. A completely different thing. And Samuel, he has head knowledge, but he hasn't experienced the Lord yet. He's, he's in the midst of it. Aren't you glad that God allows us to go through process in coming to know him? <laughs> he's in process. Samuel's in process. Yeah, he didn't get it right twice. Three times even. Ah, Eli's calling me. No, it's not Eli. It's the Lord. And the beauty is, is that he surrenders to the Lord. He didn't know him yet. There's some ignorance there. There's some, ah, I just don't know whose voice that is. Guess what? You can. You can know. You can know that you have a relationship with God. If you would, keep your finger in 1 Samuel. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you don't want to turn there, that's okay. I'm going to read it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the, here it is, again, big S, spirit, Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh, listen to this, setting the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh, listen to this, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh, listen to this. This is, this is serious stuff. 
those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Thank God for verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So ultimately the question is this, is the Holy Spirit in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. But there is a test. There is a test. And if you look at Samuel's life, he passes it in verse 19. Verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Here it is. Here's the test. All Israel, from the city of Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. What's the test? The test is, do others around you see something different in you, and you know it's the Holy Spirit of God in you? In other words, do they see Christ in you? Do they they feel the presence of the Spirit of God in you? Do they sense the love of the Father, the Trinity at work in you? Because the reality is, if you know Christ, then all three of those things are happening. And the true test is, do others know that the Spirit of God is in me? Do others see it? So, my friend, is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in you? We're about to sing a song in just a moment. The title of the song is Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. Great song. encourage you guys to put it on your Spotify playlist and good stuff. Here's some lyrics from that song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Where's, where's the here? Welcome here in this place. Welcome here in my soul. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart, our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Two questions in final, just getting to the end. Number one, is the Holy Spirit welcome here? Is the Holy Spirit welcome in this place? And the second is, is the Holy Spirit welcome in your life? Earlier, you asked God to speak to your heart. 
You, you closed your eyes, you bowed your head, you prayed, and you asked God to speak to your heart. And right now, your heart feels like it's going to blow out of your chest because it's thumping so hard, and you're like, what is that? My friend, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on your soul's door and saying, let me in. Let me do what I want to do. You won't regret it. I can do far more than you can even think or even imagine. Let me in. And, and, and I don't know if you're here and you've got sin in your life that, that's keeping you from experiencing the Holy Spirit or you've got just you, you need to grow in your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what God wants to do in your life through him. I, I don't know what your need is, but what I know is is that you ask God to speak to your heart. And, and so the question that in, in, in really in closing is this, is what did the Holy Spirit speak to you about today? And as you think about that question, I want you to just close your eyes and just bow your head and, and just get ready to sing this song. Because as we sing this song, are you willing to be obedient to this God that you pray to, to speak to your heart? Are you willing to do what he's going to ask you to do? And, and there's going to be some people that are standing up here at the front. There's going to be some people that are standing at the back. And, and would you be willing if the Holy Spirit of God said, go up. And pray with one of those people. Would you be willing to go, okay. And here's the deal. All of us, we're not up here to judge you. We're not up here to, sh to heap shame on you. We're, we're not here to, to try to preach to you again. We're, we're, we're just here to, to pray for you. So even if you don't want to tell us what it is, you just want to, like, just play, please pray for me. Are you willing Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to say to you, turn to the person on the side of you and ask them to pray for you. Do it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going, you know what, I don't even know Jesus. I really don't have a relationship with Jesus, and I know that's what's keeping me from experiencing the Holy Spirit. And I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Do it now. Do it now. Maybe there's sin in your life, and you're going, you know what? I need to deal with this. You're right. Why hold on to it any longer? Is it really worth the separation? Is it really worth not experiencing the Holy Spirit of God in your life? Is it really worth not wanting to get into his word, not wanting to pray, not wanting to tell other people about Jesus? Is it really worth that? here, you're just going, you know what, I got so much more to, to know. I don't want to just have head experience, I want to have heart experience. And so, Father God, help me to experience you in my heart. Again, is he welcome here in this place and in your soul? Father, thank you that you know the answer to that question in each of our lives. Would you help us to be honest with you? Would you help us to be honest with ourselves? God, thank you that your desire is for us to become aware and more aware of your presence every moment of every day in our lives. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Let's stand. Let's sing.